Hello and welcome to the 6++ Plus Show, a podcast for your wargaming and 40k needs. Hobby talk, tactics, tournament reports, lore and much more. We have it all. Please welcome your host for the evening, Tom. Hello, hello. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and team players to that 6++ show. I am your host, Tom, and today we're talking all things teams, and I'm going to get a big old dose of FOMO because we're talking about an event I'm not even going to, rubbish times. Um, but here today to guide you through that, as ever, is my dear leader, Chris. How are you doing, Chris? More slightly stressed. Been you are stressed. Chris is stressed today, everyone. Minutes. We've got work emails, which is a bane of my life, flying around. <laughs> it is a nightmare, but we're here for a nice, calm, relaxed five hours or however long it's going to take. <laughs> all things Warhammer. And team. Good. Good. So if, if people want to send Chris nice little reassuring messages of calm in the chat, say nice things to him about him. Or tell me how to yeah, email her teachers. Or yeah, give him advice for getting out of stressful work situations. Any of, any of the above, um, very welcome. And I know that he'll really value that. Yeah. Um, also tonight, the very best of us, Ed. How are you doing, Ed? I'm not bad. I'm here to be loud, to stress Chris out, and to... Uh make make opinions sound like facts good good yeah. and you'll do all of those things very well i mean you've got a lot of nerve showing up here for reasons that we will discuss in a minute oh god uh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> um but as a, but no, i don't want to give that away just yet but um i'm really excited to have you on and i think it'll be really interesting i don't think i've picked your brains properly about teams before so i'll be really interested to hear what you have to say about it so structure is going to be as follows guys we're going to do a couple of little promo things uh for a plus roundup because we're all about what we're gonna do rather than what we're currently doing right now so we'll tell you some stuff we've got in the pipeline um, and then we're gonna really deep deep dive into teams we've got the Birmingham teams tournament this weekend there's tons of teams going um, we have two six plus plus teams attending which is massively exciting um, so what we're gonna chat about is is teams and why you should play it. it is a brilliant format we're going to talk about how it works and what what's great about it and then we'll talk about some of the things we have learned in our admittedly quite young teams career um, about building armies and teams for a team's event and some of the things you can do as a team to sort of prep and and get ready for it and do some thinking about it and then at the end we actually we got some real doozies of listener questions in the discord this week so we will dig a few of those out and ed chris and myself will have a stab at that so Plus Roundup. This is going to be, we've started sketching out new things and things we're going to be bringing to you um, in the future for 10th edition in particular. Um, but starting even sooner than that, we have a new form of content in the offing. And I wondered if, Ed, you might like to uh, tell people what that is. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't aware I was going to be announcing this, which is fine. <laughs> but coming soon to a screen near you. There's going to be a new show. Oh, yes. And you might ask, when is this show going to be? Well, the, the, the name of the show is <laughs> the Every Other Thursday Show. So <laughs> as you can infer, it's going to be Mondays weekly. Yeah, um, exactly that. We're gonna, it's going to be me and Davey. We're going to sit there for an hour, and then we're going to go away. We've got lives. Fuck you. I want to have to do something <laughs> in my evening as well. And uh, we haven't worked out what we're doing. But we'll, we'll be silly, mm -hmm. rambunctious. Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll talk about some things that might be relevant to Warhammer, I guess. It's going to be really exciting. Um, 
obviously, as you know, as we've said in the chat behind the scenes, you're both dead to me now because um, yeah. I've ac- we've accidentally launched uh, your fledgling clear and they've thrown it back in my face by continuing to be a consistent part of my team and honouring all other commitments and also doing something additional that's only going to help us. So I'm I'm hey, crushed, no, I, crushed and devastated. I haven't even started the spin-off channel yet. <laughs> Ed plus plus. Five plus plus. Show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but don't worry, everybody. I'm, I've I've thought a lot about how to stop this from happening, and basically everyone's going to only be allowed to have their hands on the screen going forwards, not their faces. Yeah. Um, take taking a leaf out of other jealous corporations' books on how to how to not only uh, control your talent but also ensure that those viewing it enjoy it less, which I think is a really important thing to do if you, if you want people to like what you do. Um, so yeah, don't worry. It'll all be hands from next week. No faces anymore. I'm letting Ed have his face for one last one last time. It's not too late to make a sign a load of spiteful NDAs. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be really funny. Um, Chris, you do have reassuring messages coming through in the chat, mate. You've Thanks got love you, Chris from Scribo. Oh, thanks. Captain Caveman has said Ed is coming through with a bit of an echo, which is a slightly odd bit of reassurance, but I'm I'm sure it was intended to <laughs> to ha- to make you feel better. And a yeah. certain Chantel Miller has put some little kissy smiley faces in there, so that's very nice, isn't it? That's very oh, yeah. Very uh, maybe yeah. you sh- maybe you should slide them a DM after the show. Maybe, see what, um, see what see what see what's what. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Um, Just so we don't look like. like um, <laughs> Should point out that that is Chris's partner. Yeah, oh, that's that's. I was, I was I had faith in our listeners to work that out, but you're right. We we don't want to come across um, like some sort of weird if, if frat boys. Recently, we're not sex pets. <laughs> and if we were, we wouldn't give it away on here. No. Um, For those of you who have a concern. we're definitely not sex pets, <laughs> and we will now be looking out for Tom. <laughs> The more we say it, the uh, the more convinced they will get. I think oh, so. That's yeah. great. Right. Okay. Um, the other the other police roundup thing. You know, this is still very much information, but one of the bits of content we are planning on doing um, as one, as soon as tenth arrives is is something a, li- a little index league. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit, Chris? Uh, yeah. So we're kind of discussing. Obviously, we want to hit the ground running with all the content. Mm-hmm. We don't have the advantage of getting everything ahead of schedule, um, but we are going to be on the ball. So. In I think from everyone else's perspective, when 10th drops, they're going to want to see their new armies in action, a variety yeah. of lists. They're going to want to know, um, as they play test, they want to know what other people's experiences are of the play testing. So um, we've got a couple of things we're going to do, like faction focuses for everything. Just oh, like yeah. we, we all have a variety we'll, of we'll do We'll do all, all the indexes, we'll get some kind of faction focus. Yeah, just a little, you know, a little video, just like kind of a gotcha guide almost, yeah. just so that you can learn a bit about each army so that when you go um, to events, you kind of know what to look out for. So we're going to do those. Mm-hmm. And we're also, as a team, going to be running kind of like a league competition style thing. Yeah. We haven't got specifics yet, kind of in the discussion point there, but the idea will be each player will get access to a particular index. Yeah. Um, and then they'll be running that. And then we're going to track the progress, track the matches, yeah. probably do it both in person and on TTS. Yeah. Um, we'll get as many of those on battle reports. It might just be like little snapshot video tournament updates, like this is the week in action, mm-hmm. um, whatever. Hey, maybe we could run a fantasy league with it. That'd be exciting. Oh, that would be really, really cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that. 
put all your money on Eldari and Chris, people, because there's no yeah. way there's no way he's not taking it. And well, he's this gonna... is it. We have like a live draw <laughs> of the order in which people can pick their faction. That's brilliant. I like it. I like no, it a lot. So I like that a lot. Yeah, let's definitely do that. I can screw you over. And so, obviously, well, no, it's all right. I say I'll, I'll take one of my weird, wonderful factions without a doubt. Um, this is, I think, this will be really fun. You know, we are not, um, we're not, so we don't have early access. We're not prepped for tenth. We don't know what things are coming, and we won't be coming at it in that sense. But what we absolutely can do is is take you guys through our learning experience of figuring these armies out. I think a lot of us are very good at figuring stuff out and working through armies. And I think this would be really fun content to make um, to accompany that. There'll be a sort of competitive dimension to it, but it'll be lots of fun because it's a Wild West out there. We don't know quite what we'll be doing, what how things will work into different armies, and we'll, we'll give it a good go. Um, We've got a range of players, and some of them aren't as sort of content-minded as others within the team. But as as Chris says, we'll make sure that we've got reports coming in, and and every everyone in the team that wants to sort of check in with you guys and talk through the process of learning how to figure out the army in tenth will, will be doing so. So you might even see a few faces in there that you don't see as often, which would be really really exciting as well. I'm going to say uh, this on a recorded stream, so we have to do it because people will be disappointed if we don't. Definitely newsreader style, you know. Yes. Yes. I'm yeah. sure there's lots of um, like, oh, get green screen, mm -hmm. and then get like the tickers running across it, and have, yes, bring. I mean, um, you, you've already got half of that. You've got the what? tickers. Yeah, you've yeah. Got what? the um, Jeff Jefferson and that's um, it. And Kamara. Why? Why light. doesn't Aaron have any units on his back objective? I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> oh, poor Aaron. Doesn't even wear glasses. <laughs> Those old boys have moved off your home objective, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> I saw that move. I thought there was a. I thought there was a sub. I thought I'd be scratching the Oh, so good, so so I, I good. I like how we've now devolved into comedy British, um, like journalism. I guess. Yeah. Just riffs on. Yeah. You know, there is no content too niche. No, exactly that. I think I think the wider world needs us doing impressions of pundits who are probably slightly out already of rotation in the main <laughs> yeah. um, form of pundits only in this in this house. That's what we're all about. Um, Elo Woozle says six plus plus is the weirdest group of frat boys, and I'm inclined to agree. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we haven't got a house yet to put us all in, but we yeah. will get one. It's a matter of time. Absolutely a matter of time. And Scrivo says, I'm going to have to fight for one of my two. He does mean, yeah, he's only got Dark Angels and Orcs, so I guess just be higher up in the draft than Aaron. That's my advice. Just get up there. Yeah, and Paul. And Paul. You, uh... and Paul. <laughs> Fuck done. Or you play yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the Necrons are coming out. Yeah, one way, one way or the other. We'll, we'll work it out, Scrivo, don't you worry. Um, great, okay. So... Those are very exciting things that we really look forward to. I'm I'm very excited to watch the Ed and Davey show. I think that's going to be super, super fun. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll keep lots of stuff coming at you over the next few weeks as we get ready. And when those indexes drop, we are going to come out all guns blazing and make sure that there's a ton of information for you guys to consume. We'll cover all our favourite armies first, and then we'll work out the ones we don't know so well <laughs> and make sure there's something on there for everyone. Scribble says, all good, I can smash with whatever, and I am inclined to agree, sir. Go get them. Um, okay, brilliant. Right, teams. Teams. Teams events. Very serious business. This weekend, it is the Birmingham Teams Tournament. This is a UKTC Teams Tournament. Very big, lots of teams going. Six Plus Plus is taking two teams. So what we're going to do is chat through 
a little bit about teams. I'm going to mostly quiz Chris and Ed about their thoughts and processes as they get ready for this one and use that as our way into thinking about it. Um, but first, how on earth does Teams 40k work, Chris? I thought 40k was a singles game and that I didn't really have to talk to or know anybody in order to play it. Well, that's just crazy talk, Tom. <laughs> um, I'll tell you why. Um, so, so when I first started getting into competitive 40k, um, kind of hearing about the only teams event you kind of heard about was the WTC, which mm -hmm. is obviously the international one. And you'd listen to it on podcasts, and it was it sounded really rather interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's actually um, really great that UKTC have brought them over and started running um, a couple of year. Um, which started last year. You've also got the guys up north, Allies of Convenience, as well as mm. um, uh, Northern Warlords guys. They run some upper element games. And basically, um, you're still playing your individual matches, but you're working as a team. It's your collective score against their collective score. Mm. Um, so it's initially when I first started hearing about it and you hear them talking about the pairings process, it's all very confusing because you're like, well, but you as a team want some matchups and they want some matchups. So how do you agree on it? Mm. Um, and that's so that's one of the really interesting elements. Um, it's kind of a game within a game. Yeah. You're putting forward attackers and defenders and um, they are they're doing the same and you're trying to get the matchups that you want. Um, mm. So that's one really interesting element. You've then got the other element that when you're playing your game, um, besides certain specific formats, you're still playing for, um, you're trying to create the biggest differential. Yeah, it's, it's, it's differential scoring, um, isn't it? So every playing, every point from every game counts. Yeah, every yep. point for every game counts. And if you think like when you're playing in a singles event and um, you've walked into a horrendous matchup and you're like, well, I know I've lost this from turn one, turn two, let's just call it. Um, whereas actually <laughs> in teams, you're, you're able to talk this through uh, you're able to play it out and you're working to like narrow that gap as much as possible because actually that could be the difference between a win and loss. And, I mean, we've been to four team events now and we've definitely had some games which have come down to like the barest of margins of Absolutely. Like four or five matches. Um, so, it, you know, every, every point really does count. Um, and so you've got that element that you're playing for your team, even mm. when you're not thrown the bus or in a tough match. Yeah. Remember waiting for Lee to try and beat those Zinch demons against the, uh, the yeah, savvy Submariners yeah. team. That was a stressful time. Uh, everything on the line. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, why do we think it's the best format? Is it just because a bunch of people who've already barricaded in the international teams tell us that it is? <laughs> or is there is there something more to it than that? What do you reckon, Ed? Hit me with that again. I'm on the earlies. Why is <laughs> why is teams the best format? Ed, Ed's going to say it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've only been to one teams event, um, which I actually think is a fun story to tell, but I'll do that later. On. <laughs> okay. Because uh, it, it is it is the story. I think <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun because it takes it from just being you can you can play different things. You can play a wider range of things. Obviously, yeah. there's always going to be, you want to take, for example, you want to take something that's going to be good into a wide range of armies, which yeah. right now, Custodes is good as a defender army. You might want to take Iron Hands because they will shoot the shit out of the board. You might want to take something fast that can score a lot of points, yada, yada, yada. But within that, you have a bit of flexibility. And I could play 
like a super jank anti-melee list if we were in a meta mm. where we were seeing a lot of Bloody Rose Sisters and I could play Shadow Keepers. I could play the list that I thought was really good back when I played you at the Invitational. <laughs> um, which turns out it's a dog shit list because it's just eight, eight and seven Custodes uh, Guardians with shields and swords. <laughs> and it does nothing, but I was really convinced that that was going to be good. That could have been a team's meta and that's like yeah. a fun, different dynamic. But in singles... You just get wrecked. You play yeah, yeah. things that you go, oh, God, I've drawn the short straw here. Mm. But you can try and direct it into something that's that's good. If you have someone on the team that you don't like, you can just give them five dog shit matchups. Absolutely. And then when they win the tournament for you by only losing like like two or three points each time, you can endlessly rinse them because you're like, we lost five, five games. Yeah, 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 we yeah. have to carry your ass. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really, <laughs> really fun angles there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's a few things, important things that you hit on there. It's like it does. It makes it bigger than yourself in terms of you've got a bunch of other players. Um, I've, I don't know if, you, if you've been to events with with your team buddies, but actually, you can end up only catching them really for a little bit of the day, and then the evening. And the evening's always good fun, but actually, that's not a lot of time considering you know. I think a lot of us actually go away for these weekends to to catch up with the people we already know and we like. Um, in a teams event, you really are bonded together. There's real camaraderie. Every, you can be checking in every game. You're all playing on the row along from each other, and that's awesome. Um, and as you say, 40k is obviously a game where there's always one or two things that are a bit out of whack, and that's probably likely to be the way it is um, forever. It's let's, really let's, yeah, it's not perfectly. easy. They're doing a pretty good job. I, would, lot, I completely agree. A lot and closer it, than it has It been. mitigates it in teams because there's only going to be one of each army, so th those armies will be there, but actually there's still a bunch of slots on a team to fill. And the game becomes partly about mitigating what those scary armies do because you as we as we'll talk about there's you can put lists in that are designed to at the very least go down swinging and make sure it's close because that's a big deal in teams um, but it also means there's space to innovate and design things come up with interesting spins on things in the knowledge that if you pair well and you use the pairing system effectively you can avoid those really worst case matchups which you know as as, as you're alluding to some when the meta's a certain way certain armies become inevitable you will hit them in singles once you get higher up and and in teams that isn't the case um in quite the same way with the pairing system so yeah that all makes it massively compelling i think um we'll, we'll outline and just reiterate the basics of how the format works but i think we've discussed the fundamentals it's all five games are played the different total differential you've got wtc scoring which slightly simplifies it it's basically the differential gets reduced down to a scale from 20 to nothing right and you sort of you, you meet closer and closer depending how tight the score was so yeah every five points is worth a point yeah. either way from so a narrow loss to jack tight as ed and myself know is actually a draw in 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 wtc scoring which is really nice um helps us feel good um so within this you've got the pairings process which i think is probably where a lot of the finesse and the mystery of teams is um, Chris, do you want to sort of summarise the basics of how the pairings process works? Yeah, um, it's hard to do. Uh, just to <laughs> um, essentially, so both teams put forward a defender. So you pick an army, one out of your five you put forward. So each put, have put down a defender. You don't know what your position have put down. You then flip them over. Okay, so now we see, um, let's say we're playing... Uh, we're playing War Masters, okay? Uh, Yay! Warmasters so have put down a defender, and War Masters have put down a defender. Now, we have to pick two attackers, and we put those up against War Masters' defender. So we're going to think, oh, who do we want to give them a choice from? They're going to do the same for us. 
We then reveal those. Now we have a decision to make. We have seen that we've put down guard and war masters have put down custodies and blood angels. We have to do guard. What do you want to take? Would you rather play the custodies or would you rather play the blood angels? Whatever we choose is now a game, is now a matchup. Hmm. War masters do the same thing. So we have now got two created matchups and we've got two armies that were kind of discarded, one from each. They go yeah. back into the pile. So we have now got left three, um, we've now got three um, armies left. We're then going to do the same process again. And then through that um, choosing and selecting process, you essentially come to five matchups chosen. Um, so the skill is in your army selection making sure you've got um, armies that can kind of cover a variety of matchups. Mm -hmm. Skill is in trying to navigate this horrendous tree of possibility and probability yes. as you're trying to work out what your opponent's most likely to do. And therefore, mm -hmm. if you do that, if you do X and they do Y, then this is what's going to be the consequence. This is what's going to be left over. And, you know, even just in five mans, the probabilities like when we find out our first pairing we'll sit down and we will go through almost like every permutation that we think is likely and it takes forever it really does won't cover many because although yeah. you can predict what their first defender is you're then as soon as you start thinking well if they choose this one then this is left over and it just has a massive knock-on effect and it just creates too much stuff to calculate so yeah. you don't have to use your knowledge of the game a bit of a gut instinct and accept that you will definitely get it wrong, I think. Yeah. Um, it's probably my first tip of the day. Fully accept that at least once uh, in a weekend you'll get your pairings wrong and you'll be outpaired and you'll be in an upward, up, um, like an upward battle. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of the 101. And obviously sometimes the big guys play the eight-man events, which we've got coming yes. up in. Oh, I'm dreading it because it's the, the pairings for that is going to be insane. And yeah, I guess, I mean, we've never done an eight-man pairings before, but I guess it's a matter of breaking down um, it into like the little mini games and just trying to win each little pairing um, aspect. But um, yeah, no, it's a really cool thing. Uh, being a captain for it is quite harsh because... <laughs> When you get it wrong, your team's just staring at you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me play into this, and why am I playing into this? This is all your fault. And when it goes right, obviously, it's never. Oh well, you you paired <laughs> us to the win. The players won the game. Didn't you? You're, you're <laughs> going to get that from me for five rounds because <laughs> yeah. I'm playing a defender list, and I'm yeah, like, why yeah. have you given me a shit matchup? Yeah, as yeah. my job as the custodies player. Why? Why do I have to play Iron Hands again? <laughs> well, the fuck, fuck is this, Chris? Uh, yeah. So just look forward to that. Oh yeah, I'm fully ready, mate. I mean, that's, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's one of those times where I think being a captain becomes a very real, tangible thing in 40k, which is yeah. which is interesting. So it does have a bit of that sporting tension within it. Although it's worth saying, you know, the Warmasters win that we got—that was all on you. I was when we were going into that round, I was like, oh no, I don't like this. I don't like our plan. I don't like what Chris wants us to do. Um, and then it worked. So it's you know you have to give credit where that where that's due but yeah it's, it comes with the pressures of making decisions and having to stand by those choices and just like in normal 40k there's some other people who are also trying to do it and to stop you doing it and much like real 40k uh some of those guys are very very good at it and every now and again you just get completely run rings around and that's the way that it goes um what you can and do that's is why Motion. Oh, sorry, go on. Random number generator. Yes, yes. So this is one thing we've played touch on it, is actually, uh, we've something we've probably mentioned before, we played a team 
um, on the Sunday morning. They rocked yeah. up and they were like, we're just going to randomly generate it. Then they just <laughs> randomly... And as soon as they did that, you're like, well, nothing we did anymore. <laughs> so when we played um, Dice Down, we were genuinely tempted. We were, like, we were, we were. Outpair us. So as it is, when we, as we've said before, when we played Dice Down, what basically happened was at the end they went, They've done literally the opposite of every <laughs> single thing we thought they would do. But on their podcast, they said we kind of outpaired them. They did, uh, and they did, and then and they, they, they mashed us anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think the random number generation is probably only worth doing if you're playing against teams that are significantly better than you. So mm. we, we won't be doing that at all this weekend. As the no, no. Coming in. no um, neither, neither 6 plus plus team will because it, no. there won't but be any teams. Warmasters, they're probably going to have to... Yeah, oh, oh, they'll definitely have Jack's to. Jack's in the chat. Hi, Jack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Jack is on first defender duty. I wonder what he will be running oh, I wonder. This. How interesting. <laughs> I, I played him with my first defender. <laughs> and we had a grand old time with a classic WTC draw. Yeah, the absolute uh, Fun dream. was had by all. Sean Capewell also said, is that a ring light in your room now, Tom? Sean, this is not a ring light. Um, I just have two screens because I've been doing lots of marking. So I'm just lit up by more screens than normal. I'm still very much in the Stone Age otherwise. Um, and Paul correctly says that the evening is for consuming ungodly amounts of chicken wings. Cool. Absolutely. Jack, I don't. Sorry, Jack Tite says, 6 plus plus shit talking again. Don't we remember Peterborough? No, I don't. I don't, Jack, because I, don't I wasn't recall. there. No, I, I don't recall. I'm confident yeah. if us three had been there, um, it would have all been very different. And mm. that's that, I can say that based on no evidence because <laughs> I'm the one on the camera. So there we I'm, are. I'm 100% confident that if the three of us you, the three of us played you at the same time, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's still pip it by two points. It's just it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just the way he be. He do be like that. Very talented man. Okay, right. We're gonna now enter into to sort of how you guys have been prepping and how you guys have been thinking about teams because I think you'll have lots of good examples. So. Let's start with how you select armies and lists for teams, because this, I think, is a really interesting part. And I've definitely been at teams events where you can feel a player is realizing across the event they've not got something that works in a team's environment at a given moment in time. Um, and it does require you to think a little differently. So it's worth thinking about the ways in which you think a little bit differently when you do that. I guess, Eddie, maybe if you start us off, what sorts of things might you look for in an appropriate team's army or list? So the first thing is you've got to look at what you what you collectively have. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, if it was yeah. just you know you're going into I don't know League of Legends, you could just be like, oh, you could play this champion because everyone has everything. Mm -hmm. Slightly different when each army costs like three to five hundred pounds. So you've got to look and be like, okay, cool. We have this, 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 and this. And there's a reason that we're not playing Iron Hands, and that's because we don't have Iron Hands. We don't. So we have normal hands. They're all that's allowed on the screen. As of next week. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey! Uh, Callback. Callback. So, that's the kind of classy commentary you get over to you. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, so that's why we have not a, a, a hodgepodge, mm. but we have some armies that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see. Um, and it, it's also, you've got to look at the overlap as well. So I remember when we were looking at this, there were about three of us that had, you know, just overlap on armies. I think there were a couple of us playing guards. I put forwards Grey Knights. Someone else put forward Grey Knights. I put forwards Tau. Someone else put forwards Tau. Like there was, there's, you've got to look at what you can do, and it might not be someone's first choice, but your second choice might be better than the other person having to play the fourth choice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can be guided by 
the armies that you have and also the ones people have comfortable sort of comfortable with and have experience with i think that's always really important that's usually better i think than just winging it with something that's new or hot most of the time there are some players that can (laughs) well i'm playing ec custodies and i haven't played custodies competitively since um i went one and four at unconquerables that is true i tricked myself into playing a really shit list that is true but you've been working hard haven't you (laughs) teams prep my prep has been play a game every night for the last two weeks i was gonna say you have sunk the effort in for this you really have got and again so if, if you if you are able to do that and willing to do that and it's awesome that ed has done that then that's great but obviously it depends a bit on the the contingencies that you have if you can't do that, sell your ticket. You don't deserve to go. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> no, no, no scrubs at the at the team's event. We don't have any time for that. Um, you know that we we here stand for cutthroat, cutting edge competition, and we don't want any bang average players taking up for me those mid tables. Everyone else is going with something that they're practiced on, and I'm not going to drag the team down yeah. by yeah, rocking yeah. up and be like. I guess I stand on the objectives. <laughs> oh, it's a zero twenty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can. We, I think it's useful also to break up sort of types of armies as well. So obviously, you have your big hitters in the meta at a given moment in time, but the reasons those armies might be a big hitter in the meta vary, and that's where the whole attacker defender distinction comes in, right? Because an attacker list, broadly speaking, is one that is very powerful, but is also going to wreck what it fights. It's going to put a huge hole in something, not let it get any points, and win by a massive margin. So those kinds of lists, I guess Iron Hand is a great example, but I think you could probably put Guard in this into some matchups as well. They're going to rack up a huge score, demolish the enemy, and give your team one of those big differentials. 20-0 obviously being the best possible. For like, Is that like a 50-point swing? Is that what you get? Yeah, yeah. Um, but anything in the higher higher numbers for that is obviously great. So one or two lists in the team that can absolutely rinse things and put those big points on the board and keep your opponents scared and have your opponents trying to match away from them and, and mitigate them um, is, is really good to have. But defenders. Defenders are also very valid and very relevant. As our resident defender right now, Ed, which is a job I've done many a time, do you want to tell people what being a good defender is all about? What being a good defender about is ripping the arms off your models and re <laughs> and turning those shield guard custodies who are bad and not good into wardens. Yes. Are good and not bad. Yes. Um, so that's what I've been working on. While Keep the I'm arms. Keep the arms. TTS. Yeah, I've, just, yeah. I've been putting sprues. Like, hold on, if I just turn around, and pick up handfuls of sprues. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been cooking in the lab as the as they say. Excellent. That one's for you, Jack. Me, you, and the youth. <laughs> I, I should probably stop with my inside jokes that don't really make sense to anyone else. Never. Um, I refuse. <laughs> uh, I don't even remember what the question was. I just started talking. Oh, uh, what what's a defender list, Ed? <laughs> a defender list is something that's going to get like sixty to eighty points every game, no matter how good your opponent's list is, and it, it it's player skill, so you can't just rock up with anything and be like, oh, I've got 50 points. The, the game is saved <laughs> uh, because then you just get tabled and you get zero points and you go, oh no, I've really let the team down. You've still got to be able to play the list, but you mm. want to play something. Attacker lists, as you were saying, get big points, but they're polarizing. Yes. So if you, you know, if your opponent gets the swing on you, you just get like nothing. Whereas with this mm-hmm. custodies list, I've got loads of obsec. I've got loads of infantry. I'm very tanky. I'm going to get banners. I'm going to get behind enemy lines. I'm yeah. going to get primary. And I'm going to stop you from getting primary. That's sort of the, 
the <laughs> gist of it. I'm going to yeah. keep your score around, like, capping out at an 80. Yeah. And my score is probably going to cap out at around an 80 as well. But if yeah. I can do those two things, and That's I get perfect. an 11.9, a 9.11, a 10.10, something in the middle there, things have gone well for me. Yeah, exactly that. And I think armies where they don't give away obvious secondaries, so there's not obvious points to be gleaned out of killing them. Mm -hmm. um, they have a solid or at least dependable secondary game and a solid primary game. Necrons are a great example for this, right? It's like you have to kill a whole obsec army off objectives. They can be they can be very high scoring in I that sense. I think old Necrons were. I'd be cautious about it now because the free no prisoners. Um, That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, so, yeah, so my yeah. list gives up 80 wounds on no prisoners, three characters... Two points on bring it down. There's not really anything that you can pick to to mm. score into me if you're mm. playing like Tau, for example, where you have two secondaries that are good and then no third secondary as well. Yeah, no, definitely. So you do want to be designing with that in mind, trying to mitigate it. Rob Kimpton says playing as a defender sounds like a lot of fun. It is, Rob. I think it, psychologically speaking, it's for those who enjoy being scrappy and putting up a fight um, rather than those who enjoy tabling the vulnerable. Um, both sorts find a home in teams and. Uh, some of them love the different roles and you can hear their opinions all over the place. Um, Sean Catewell says World Eaters does do that. Yeah, World Eaters is a great defenders list, Sean Catewell, because it scores super well whilst it's getting killed. It's got a lovely threshold, very consistent, um, and again, doesn't give away easy um they're probably a good attacking list as well <laughs> yeah good. well that's it they're one of those and i think this is true of all defenders my gsc are another example of this because gsc are quite defendery and you know they're playing their game they're going to get a ton of points and it's kind of on you to stop them but yeah. then into some matchups they do just go you just get completely killed now and you have no stuff and they very specific they can absolutely turn it on um World is it, one thing that I love about World Eaters as a defenders list is they've got it's just the corn deny just means that even psychic game into them becomes this this lottery. If people can't reliably take secondaries, they're relying on a tool into them um, because of the chance of it failing. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's a place for both those types there, and working out what the balance in your team is. You, I guess you usually want a couple of each of those. You want a mix of sort of combaty and ranged armies in a team as well because typically within the meta there'll always be one or two standouts in those fields um but there's also going to be other armies who are more vulnerable into them teams i think for example drakari do a bit better in teams at the moment because they they bully a lot of combat armies and in teams they can usually be paired to avoid the one or two that have the mechanics that that ruin their day um so they're a bit stronger in teams and, and they, they can really go all in on shutting team shutting other players down and and, and, and killing them off Jack says that Necrons are very well represented. 30% of all teams at Brum have a Necrons list. There you go. That would that would certainly feed into that. And I think that's so they're quite a popular army, this edition, so it makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, you get those two mentalities. You've got to go out and get big wins, or you've got to go out and spoil big wins, slow the enemy down. Um, and what's nice about teams is whatever role you find yourself in, and if pairings, sometimes in pairings you end up in a different role to the one you thought you were going to be in, right? You thought you were going to go in there and, and mull or something, and then it's like, oh no, I've got the thing that I dread facing, so now you're in defender mode, and you've got to try and mitigate that and slow it down. But again, with communication in the team, you'll know what that is, you'll know what the sort of likely outcomes are, and then you can just fight and scrap for every point you can possibly get. 
the communication being fuck you chris <laughs> yeah 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 it's funny actually the first few times you play against like seasoned teams players you do see the difference that it makes because i didn't really ever care about score differential i was one of these players where i was always very happy to win as happy to win by two points as i was to win by 50 points i really don't mind um and i was often quite standoffish and controly in how I play rather than sort of knockout. But I think having done teams a bit more and started looking at and thinking about differentials more, I've definitely um, moved towards sort of swinging punches a bit more when I play. Makes you a much better player. Oh, well, it is. Right. Yeah, exactly. That is, you know, you know it, it's, it's playing at full throttle all the time, isn't it? Rather than easing off, which I think is, is not something you want to be doing in teams. There is a middle ground, though. You've got to be careful not to deny your opponent <laughs> to the point of not scoring any points. Yes. Um, as I did at Nottingham, I came four and I got went four and one, which was fine. Uh, but I was the lowest ranked four and one player. Yeah. So I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a fucking point of primary. I'm killing you the next turn. I was <laughs> on those objectives. Um, turn, turn in round one on turn two, I zeroed my opponent's primary by standing on his home objective as mm. Tau, um, which was fun. But then you end up at like rank 70 on the tournament. You don't get any ITC points. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so those are some of the basics. And now I guess, Chris, we can get inside your head and start thinking about what sorts of things you and the team have done to prepare for this. What the sort of process has been of assembling some attackers, some defenders, and starting to think about how that team will function at the team's event. Yeah, so I think, as Ed said, the first of course obviously you have to choose or see what armies are available yeah um you know we're when we're being reasonably realistic here we're not going here with the high expectation of conquering everybody we're gonna win both teams so, are gonna win um, yeah speak for your fucking self <laughs> <laughs> so because like, you still want to make sure everyone's you know like happy in the team and playing the armies that they want to um i think that's um i think that should definitely be a priority um another thing you also want to consider is how well people know their lists um, and their armies it's all well and good i say oh yeah no one's got iron hand successors so maybe we could borrow that off someone and if that person then rocks up to the event with zero experience with that army they're not going to be able to play it well um so therefore you kind of you want people who know their um army well or in the case of someone like ed who's willing to put the time and effort into i was just thinking like fuck why didn't we just borrow iron hands i don't know <laughs> like, yeah like because um, oh, well. we've got Paul and his Dark Angels. That's this right. is the thing. Paul, 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 the one-man band, was never going to let anyone else have the Marines. Exactly. Um, so you kind of your decision making needs to come about from a aspect of you know what armies have you got and what do people want to play, and then it's about fine tuning it from there mm. into specific options. You need to make sure you've got defender lists. You know these lists that either just score well or um, kind of like are just strong in the meta especially when you're playing five-man team events. Mm. Um, I think those are a very strong argument for just taking the five best armies out there, which most people seem to be doing from kind of mm -hmm. what we've looked at. Um, I remember last year there was a team event where it was only win-loss. and at the time, oh, That was so rubbish. At the time, Tau, Custodes and Harlequins were the best three armies by a long way. Yeah, the, the, the meta was cancer at that moment in time. Every team was Tau, Harlequins and Custodes versus Tau, Harlequins and Custodes. And then each team had two extra things. And all that were mattered, there just to soak the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all that mattered was that you managed to pair it so your Tau, Harlequins and uh, Custodes won their three games. You won the event. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that was not a good time. No, that was right. right. The, the, the meta got much healthier after that when Nids. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There were no team events, so that's fine. Uh, oh, no, we but... went to one, and Tom got to play into Nids, so that was. I did. Was that? Oh yeah, I played Innis's Nids. I beat Nids, I think, twice before that. But I did not beat Innis's Nids. I got utterly, wow, utterly that's, rinsed. That's really surprising. Yeah, I know. It was, it was a, it was a real has shock. He, has he played Nids before? He was. He, he's... yeah, he had some degree of experience with them, and he had two harpies, and he just was. We had a much better time having a nice chat after the game, which did not take long. Although I did pair myself into that on purpose so that the other lads could have a nice final game because morale was quite low, and I was like, I'm going to fucking jump on this, even though it's not a good matchup for me at all. I, I, I think I can tell this story without anyone being upset about it. So at the Teams event that I'm going to talk about, um, we I was, I was subbing in for Team England, and we played against Team Scotland. Oh, wow. And Robbo and Innes were both playing GSE. Mm -hmm. And I looked across the table after I was having a really difficult game into a lovely chap who I played before at Manchester, you know, six months before. Um, so it was really nice to have a catch up with him, have a game. And we were having a really tight game and I was I was stressed and I looked across and I was like, where have they gone? They were just having a wander around. They just taken a ten ten, and they were playtesting Votan into each other because <laughs> this was as Votan was just coming out. That's really so they funny. were they were proxying Votan, having a great time. And they're like, yeah, okay. So this um, this list here, the foot slogging list, it just it, it doesn't work. Or, or I can't remember which way around it was. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that was that was great times. That's extremely funny, extremely funny. Um, I can't remember where we were at before. So that. we were at. Um, so you kind of you, you started to think about um, what armies you're taking. Yeah. But now you need to kind of like dig into the lists. And I know when I first started hearing about teams, you'd hear about like kind of these really skew lists. Like, oh, we'll take an army which is really good at anti vehicles. So we'll, I don't know, Admech 89 Striders, Lads Chickens, whatever. Um, you people talk about these really heavy skew lists. Um, and there's definitely always a kind of like a thought process behind that and actually you might end up um, doing that. What you have to remember when you're compiling your list is the reality is that if you have one list that is very good into anti-vehicle, it's almost certainly never going to play into the one army yeah. that is all the tanks. Mm -hmm. It's really, really easy to kind of just avoid these horrendous matchups when it's like so obvious. You have to be some sort of absolute genius with the pairings process. I guess um, the sorry, the only way it would work is if you could put it forward as a, as a defender list because it scores so well, and yeah. then you're expecting to face an, an aggressive, high-scoring vehicle list. Yeah. At that point, you can put yours as the defender because then you get to pick into them. Yeah, or mm. you know they've got a lot of vehicle lists, and you put them down as a you can put your vehicle list down as a second defender, and they're not going to have much le left over. And you know, so there are very limited um, times where it might work out, but it generally won't. So my general rule of thumb is that you take your lists, your strong singles list that you would, but rather than taking a list and editing it like you would for a singles to allow for a certain matchup. So for example, with my Yanari list. I went through a period of time where I was going to take a 10-man Harlequin troop blob. In singles, I wouldn't want to do that because I'm trying to avoid mm. waters and desolated marines, which would just immediately remove that. Um, but in teams, as long as I know, I'm probably going to be able to avoid desolators. So actually, maybe I can now play this 10-man. So that was a lot of testing I did. And eventually, I went away from it and decided not to have it because um, I just think that my just two star weavers with guys is stronger. But I think those sorts of tweaks you know i do mortal wing protection for example and um, yeah. that's why with custodies 
you might well seek more custodies lists which aren't the Emperor's um, chosen one um, because you're not worried about the mortal wound protection. Yeah. Is they offer enough other strengths that actually the price is still fundamentally the best. But you can yeah. definitely see arguments for taking Shadow Keepers yeah. trying to push them into... It frees you up to specialise that little bit, doesn't it? You don't necessarily need to be covering your... mitigating all your weaknesses. Yeah. Don't drop yeah. in that character that gives you a 5-up feel no pain against mortal wounds because you're just never going to be put into Thousand Suns. You know, it's like that sort of thing. And those are the sorts of tweaks that you can kind of look to make. But I think especially in the five-man, just taking those five top kind of lists with just the tweaks that you can is is kind of the way forward. And, yeah, once you've done that, you've then you've kind of got your, your armies. And now you need to work out what is good into each thing. So that's when um, people will have heard of something called a matrix comes in. Um, you can obviously go into as much detail with these as a team as you want. We kind of don't. Um, we just have a relatively simple system. What we... is your traffic-like gut feeling about yeah, this army? Exactly. And this brings up a re another really important point, I think. So we've created a, um, a spreadsheet where we put down our army and then we say whether we think we're a green, which is a 15-5 win. We're a 10-10 um, an orange or a um, five ten loss red, um, and then we've got light blue, which is I have absolutely no clue. And essentially, we don't really have much of a clue about a lot of them because we haven't played all of the matchups. And I think mm. that's where the strong teams, or the teams with the players who run um, their army, know their army really well and go to lots of events with it, um, they're in a big, like a much stronger position because they know yeah. the matchups. Yeah. Last year, our first um, our first teams event, we had Jack Tight play for us, and he had Orcs, and he knew his Orcs so well that whenever we did the pairings, he'd be like, "Well, I'll probably score about sixty or seventy in this game. I'll win this game comfortably. This game will be like a 90-60. because he knew the game so well and the matchups mm. so well, and that is a huge advantage. Um, so, if you can have those players that know their matchups and know um, their general scores it's really really informative yeah it's very it's useful a bit more security so for example i knew i knew that custodies going into harlequins like <laughs> harlequins was a zero twenty on mm. time conviction because i played it twice and i knew exactly how it went and like just having that security of knowing those particular matchups means that when you come to the pairing process you can say right we, we want to try and engineer these matchups to get this victory yeah. um rather than as is so often the case you see the pairings, you're like, who wants to play into this? Anyone? Does anyone know how their matchup into Takari or Demons goes? And half your team are like, I don't know. <laughs> and you're there like, uh, and you just have to go off your gut, don't you? Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, the, you take at the highest level the WTC teams. They, uh, they know these matchups inside out. They know they their do. armies' matchups. They know what the best lists are or the best armies are. Um, and they just were well-versed in kind yeah. of... And they get the reps in. Um, they do. I was trying to get a practice game into one of my mates, and he's like, no, sorry, got to practice with the team. I, mean, I He isn't even going to the event, but his team is, and uh, they are a team that take it very seriously, so they're just repeatedly yeah, just, running into Just line running hands. and running, yeah, yeah. And that's it, and that's what it takes, I think. And I think this is something I think next edition, one of the things I really want to do is, as literally as each book comes, be figuring it out and working out what I think about it in terms of how my armies go into it and how I deal with it um, and just build up that sort of personal base of knowledge as it goes 
Um, Jack says that the stat check meta database is a great resource. That's how we filled out our matrix for games. We didn't know. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, th I think that's useful, but I think I think the way individual players experience and encounter matchups also really matters. Um, and it, and that's that's where some of the curveballs in teams can come from. Like, um, you know, certain heavy hitters, some players just do well into and just have good games into and, and have good experience with it. Like, I've I, in any teams event. If Eldari come up, I will always be nagging Chris to put me into it because I just know Eldari really well and I know how to take it apart because I have I play that little fragile house of cards myself and I know exactly where to kick it. So I really relish getting stuck into Eldar with whatever I'm running. Um, and that's that's a personal experience thing, right? It doesn't necessarily reflect the matchups. Um, and, I, and I've flipped matchups as, on the basis of that. Um, which can be useful to have, but also shows that it's not just purely... It's not purely no, rock, paper, scissors every time. No. Not at all. Very nice. Um, do's and don'ts we've got here, and then we can move on to listen to mail. What are the big do's and don'ts, Chris? So when I wrote that down, I definitely had something clearly in mind. I'm sure you did, yeah. Um, what that thing was, I'm not entirely sure. Um, right, do's. So you do want to make sure you're discussing with your team and getting everyone's opinion, but don't um, get overwhelmed. Yeah. Too many cooks um, spoil the broth. And I think it's very easy when you've got two people, three people kind of giving you their opinion. Um, and after the initial opinion, then it just becomes a bit tricky to work that, out. That, that's what, exactly it. Yeah, yeah. What you want is every person telling you what they think in a, you know, in as confident as way as possible. Um, but what you, um, so you don't want them just to leave you um, kind of like high and dry because suddenly that's the worst thing is when you're like, oh, I've, no one's around to discuss this with. Okay, well, it's just up to me then. You don't yeah. want that. You want to some. You want to be able to bounce your ideas off. But when you've got one person, well, I think it's this, and another person saying, well, I think it's this, and you're like, uh, and you're like, well, someone's gonna yeah be like. I me. think basically everyone's saying their piece and then letting the captain work with it and then standing yeah. by that decision. I think is going to be the way to do it, right? Yeah. Um, something that we haven't mentioned is this event that we're going to has the same terrain, but a lot mm, of teams events have different boards. You'll have a yeah, lighter board yeah. and a heavier board, and that's where it's really important to have not only attacker defender lists, but have bring a guard list that's going to absolutely fucking smash yeah. on the uh, the open board, and you bring world eaters or Eldari or Dark mm. Eldar, something that's really melee that benefits from the dense. Uh, something that really struggles with getting shot off the board, but suddenly it doesn't because uh, we got terrain everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, and being being ready to account for that, and and the specific board you're playing on, um, definitely really really good. Um, I think one do is have a very clear sense of where your team is at and sort of set expectations in and around this. We talk about managing expectations all the time, right? And I think. These, these teams events we've got coming up are a great example. We're bringing the whole team, got a whole bunch of people playing armies they love. We know we don't have the very killer cutting edge armies in our locker at this moment in time. I think the eight man, I'm not, I think we're, yeah, we're missing a couple of them. We're missing a few of them for this. Lee Churchwood's just popped up in the chat talking about Slime Arbor. So obviously we do have some killer lists <laughs> and, and killer players. Um, but you could look at that and go, okay, well, so we know if we hit the real cutting edge, we're going to have a 
we're not we're not likely to just muscle through those games, right? But we, we also know in a big teams environment there'll be tons of teams in the exact same position as us, and we'll have a lot of fun with that. And so it's about being relaxed with that. And there's a degree of preparation. And as someone like Ed, who's an absolute hero, has put a huge amount of a real shift in the last couple of weeks to get ready for it. Um, and those able and willing to do that, absolutely. But also, yeah, it's your, it's your mates in it, and the reason you're going is to be in your team and play play with your buddies and have a good time. So I think I think it's always right. important to have that in the back of your head as well. Um, but don't also, do oh sorry after you that you are the best team there. Oh absolutely, we will be winning this event. If I oh, have yeah. twenty zero fucking iron hands five times, <laughs> we're going to podium boys, and I'll have no, I'll work no arguments. Yeah, we'll absolutely, absolutely right. Absolutely Maybe right. we'll win another best painted award. Yes, we won best painted. That was so funny. That was funny. Well, I, I must, I must have been well, well down the end of the table somewhere. That's all I'm saying. I think they basically just looked at Lee's um, Imperial Guards and we're like, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. That's the one. Well, actually, you, on Chris's, Chris's army is very pretty. And no, to be honest, if they'd come at us from the right angle at the right time, and a lot of my stuff was dead, I can, I can, compl- <laughs> I can completely see how they might have decided that. So I, I fully appreciate it. Well, it um, looks good from a tabletop stand, I think one then, one like... don't is with with the pairings I think you do really need to be anticipating a couple of rungs down the ladder and sometimes in the pairings people get overexcited and try and sort so they spot one good matchup and try and sort it out and then accidentally create a sort of domino effect yeah, yeah. whereby one of your vulnerable lists gets put into the nightmare scenario and you have to be very aware of what the worst possible matchups for your team are and thinking very hard about mitigating those first and foremost, um, because it's those twenty O's that kill you, right? It's it's the blowout games that kill you, and those those are the ones you need to be preventing as much as you possibly can. I think that's I think that's really really important. Like mm. you can't afford to have if you want to do well, you can't afford the zero twenties. You can't afford to just have those matchups. Just try and edge the games, um, and obviously some teams will blow out other teams because there's a big skill disparity, but in two evenly matched things, you really cannot afford. And we had one game where both myself and Jamie um, like, <laughs> heavy losses immediately. Yeah, like, like instant 20 O's. We, we won that round though, right? We did win the round. <laughs> I think I got to like a 16 or 416 or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, right, well, we'll just wait around and hope everyone else can do the job. And you really don't want that Nah. You um, you want those games to be reasonably close, like go from there. Yeah, absolutely, great. Okay, um, have fun with it, guys. I think the event's going to be awesome. It's it's really fun seeing teams grow. We've got so many little little teams and units around the community now, and it's only going to get more exciting as time goes on. Um, so just get stuck in and have a great time. I'm very I can't be there because I've got a wedding. I'm going to have to do real life stuff. So I'll be very mm-hmm. jealous. I'll be checking in on the chat all day. Um, probably going to avoid sticking my oar in because like, you can't be useful from a long, yeah. long way away. Like, it's not going to help anyone to have me going, ah, blah, blah, blah. Well, when you're uh, pissed on the Saturday night. Oh, mate, I'll be like, yeah, what the fuck were you doing? Can't Sunday, believe you. Sunday morning, <laughs> you can do the pairings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just do a, a drunken rundown on Saturday night and get you all sussed out. That'd be great. Okay, brilliant. Right, we're going to go into listener questions. Before we do that, do you want oh. my anecdote of? Uh, oh, have you not? Have you not done it yet? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's yeah. have it. Yeah. So the setup to this one is: I played. I, I thought Custodes was going to be great. Uh, I thought the meta was going to be, you know, everyone's playing Bloody Rose Sisters. So make a Shadow Keepers list. It's dog shit. I go one for it. Uh, unconquerable, which was not great, but it was okay because that was only a couple of weeks before the LGT, 
which meant I didn't take that shit list to the LGT, mm. which would have been a fucking disaster. Um, although, to be fair, if I paired into the Emperor's Children list that was really good at that time, mm-hmm. I think I might have had a, a decent chance into it. Mm. But, you know, just because I had so much anti-melee tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that wasn't it. So I just, I, I was like, oh, I've got to play something else. What can I play on short notice? Leviathan Warriors. Cool. Nice and easy. Plays itself. So I went, I went and did a uh, practice RTT um, run by Mark Pilkington. Lovely guy. Oh, I love events. Mark. Yeah, he's so great. Went, won that. I was like, this feels good. I can go 5-0 at LGT. Went LGT, went 4-1. Wasn't super happy with it, but you know, it is what it was. Hang, hung around for the Monday, did an RTT, which was seven players with drops. So it was... <laughs> Actually, four players, including myself. <laughs> it was play every player who won the most games. It was me. So I technically won two RTTs and right. went four and one at LGT within you know nine days of each other. Hmm. One of those was really not impressive at all. So you know it's only done there for <laughs> yeah. you know for bragging reasons. <laughs> anyway, so I'd booked a week off. I'd come back from London. I'd had to do some more travel than I was expecting to. My brother who. I was with, wasn't able to, to ferry me around. He had some issues going on at that time himself. Um, so I was like, cool, you know, London's got trains. That was awful. I hated getting from where he was living in a village because I was like, oh, you live in London. Turns out living near London isn't living in London. Amen that, to that. That's an ignorant northern stand, like viewpoint <laughs> that I've got. So, you know, I've learned. I've changed. I'm a better man. Mm. Anyway, I get home. I am shattered. I never want to play Nids again. It was the most bored I've ever been. Um, it was entirely pointless, and all I did was gut to my TC points, which was cool, but I was just like, I'm, I'm so bored. This is terrible. <laughs> so I put them away in the cupboard, and I've put all my jobs off until the back end of the week, and I get a message from Ed Watts, lovely guy, Ed Watts. Um, pretty, pretty up there in the ITC rankings. Oh, he's, very, he's having a wonderful season. He's come through yeah, strong at the moment. He's not yeah. bad at Warhammer, you know? He mm. uh, used to be on my team, or I, rather, I used to be on his team. Yeah. And... Um, he messaged me, he goes, uh, do you want to play at a Teams event? England have had a drop. And at this point, I was like, I never want to play Warhammer again. <laughs> but you can't turn down an opportunity like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so I was like, yeah, sure, okay. What, what's the, the crack? And we had a bit of a, a chat. And um, so we went off. Drive down. Uh, well, I get the train across, actually. And I, I stay in his front room on a sofa, which is, you know, the height of comfort, exactly what you want to do. And then I turn up to my first Teams event, and I have no idea what to expect, no idea what I'm doing. And I'm playing with uh, Matt Robertson. Pretty good at He's all right. Yeah, he's all right. James Ramsey. He's also all right. I heard he knows quite a lot about the game. He does. People occasionally <laughs> mention that. <laughs> yeah, just, just a couple of people. He's also all right. He's not bad at the game, turns out. And then Isaac Wright, who is less of a household name. Okay. Really good. Really yeah. lovely guy. Really enjoyed playing with him. So there were these four, and I was like, cool. So my job here is to not fuck this up. <laughs> and uh, it, it was great. First game I played in, we played into Team Island. Um, really lovely chap. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Um, he was playing Imperial Knights. I was like, I'm playing Leviathan Warriors. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, mm-hmm. And then turns out that that Freeblade Free Lance list played well. Terrifying. Mm. I got my first draw, and not a WTC draw. A genuine draw. It's like, oh, this is cool, but also, thank fuck that I didn't lose this for the team. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, you know, that's the fear. You've rocked mm. up and you've got all these people who are like, these guys are expecting to win the event. I can't, 
I can't let the, the uh, drop the ball here. Mm-hmm. So that was that. He did smash one of my warriors, which was hilarious because it was, you know, it was a ratty, knackered old model. He dropped something on it. It was so apologetic. Um, I was so glad that it was him smashing something instead of me smashing it because I'm a clumsy motherfucker and it's only a matter of time. So I was like, Woo! you know, the, the heat's off. You've broken something of mine. This is okay. <laughs> uh, went through and we did in the final round play against the other team, England, which was uh, Manny's oh, team. Oh, nice. And I will admit, I said to Rob, I was like, you, you're going to have to hide me here. Like, I don't feel confident in this. <laughs> uh, and I got paired into Necrons, um, which was Dawid's list. Played Dawid oh, yeah. before. Really enjoyed the game. Had a great time. And then uh, all, all the scores came in. And it's like, oh, shit, we've won. So Yay! How, and I, I dropped it. So there should be a hammer on top of this. Yay! That's the most undeserved trophy. I've oh, ever that's great! I didn't know that story. That's awesome. I had, I had a fantastic time. It was really yeah, good. that's super cool. I will never claim that I won the trophy. I will yeah. say that I didn't lose the trophy. For yeah, 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 yeah. I once, uh, I once got a single run for a drinking cricket team in a game in London, and which helped carry them over the line of the game. And I'm shit at cricket. I'd been right. promised I wasn't going to play. And then they had to bring me on at the end. And yeah, it's, it's, it's that same thing. It's like, just just don't ruin this. As long as you can manage to not ruin it, uh, it's yeah. all, all to the good. Did you, le- to... did you learn anything? I guess are oh, there yeah. any interesting takeaways for like pairings and how they navigate that from like examining their sort of side of things? Well, that, no, I didn't learn anything. Because I was <laughs> like, buddy, you just tell me what you want me to do. I'm playing Leviathan Warriors. You know what it does. Put mm. me wherever. Cool. Uh, I got to play some really lovely people, which was great. I got to play uh, a chap called Tony Chu, who oh, yeah. was pretty involved with Team England. I don't know if yeah. he plays as much anymore. Um, but it's funny because you'll play against people who you don't know the names of at Teams events because they don't go to the ITC events. Because it turns out Teams is way better practice because you have it five is. games against five incredible players. Yeah, yeah. And you get like a lot more value out of the practice there. Mm. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, this is going to be fun. Seems like a nice chap. He, he he chewed me. He chewed me out. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the games that made me go, you know what, this this towel, this towel thing might be worth uh, a shot. <laughs> him, the loss to him, the loss to Brian Seep at the Unconquerables. Uh, they were the two games that made me go, I think I'm going to play some towel. I'm going to get me some towel. Yeah. I want to do a bit of that. <laughs> hey, this is really fun. I'm playing yeah. a mobile army and they're not. Yeah, nice. Yeah, very. I mean, it certainly it does seem like within the teams world, the culture is so strong that, as you say, eventually players almost sort of step out of singles and in, and prioritise that world to quite a considerable extent. And it'll be interesting seeing more and more people filtering through into that. Well, environment. Poland based their entire tournament system on teams. Mm. So yeah, yeah. The Polish, the Polish lads just fucking incredible but you never they're, see they are they're, they they're sublime they're absolutely sublime i i that that is the, the thing that i really want to do i really want yeah. to play some of the top polish players yeah that would be that would be absolutely awesome no I'd, I'd really like to do that we we played the bulgarian team didn't we chris and i'm still i still think we should message them and say that we'll just rock up in in bulgarian. sofia in sofia and just yeah, play yeah, yeah. just play them yeah. in bulgaria because i think that could end in very entertaining fashion um get a get a sponsor stream it Brilliant. Yeah. Jobs are good. Jobs are good. Um, Lee Church says, who will we draw first and why is it's Team Ignite? It's Team Ignite because we all want to have a, a whale of a time with them and worry them for about 35 minutes, yeah. just like okay. we did last time before rolling to our inevitable defeat. That's how we play. That's the only the only kind of game I have. Um, although if I'm not there, I can't match into Brian State, which would be sad. I really want to play Vic. 
Um, when oh, me on, too, me too. On the Savvies, they played him quite a lot, and I just never got round to talking to or playing yeah. him. But everyone said he was super lovely. Yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah. that's my one dick. regret. Chris and hates he, him. Um, Chris hates him. Absolute dick. Just because he's really good. Yeah, yeah just bends Chris over every time. I've played, played for too many times. <laughs> my, my one regret in 40k, really the only regret I have, is at that dog shit RTT that I won, where there was four players total. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's as bad as it sounds. In the first round, because it was day th three of LGT, Vic didn't have an opponent. And Zach said, anyone want to play... Uh, Vic and I wish I'd said yes, but I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, ITC points here. But I wish I'd just binned off those, points yeah, yeah, and uh, and played Vic in that round. That would have been that would have been amazing. Time. Yeah, and well, the, the, probably, the time will come to get a break instead of playing yeah. random. <laughs> wasn't even in the top cut. Yeah, <laughs> if we um if we keep doing this, we'll, more, all the games into all those guys will come. Just need to keep plugging away as we're doing. Great. All right. Um. Paint Celestine says, just got back and missed most of the show. Don't worry, Paint Celestine. We're going to do all the listener questions now. Um, and what you have missed is just lots of teams talk, run up and patter. And this will obviously go out as a video immediately afterwards. So you can, say, you can catch better, up. It's YouTube. You can scroll right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't worry at all. It's all going to still be there. The, the con No one ever definitively misses the content anymore. It will find you one way or the other. Okay. We're going into podcast questions. We had a few. They are really fun. So... Let's get stuck in. If you have additional questions, please do feel free to bug them in the chat. And as ever, Chris is very stressed today. So if you give him a super chat and a crisp five pound note to go and buy toys with, he'll be delighted. Uh, not that you have to. Quality shilling. Just that you absolutely could. Self-promotion. We're really good at it. Possibly the best. And here we go. So we're going to start with the light stuff. Definitive competitive ranking of all currently released Primarchs, Heretic yeah. and Loyalist in 40k. Definitive? Definitive. Yeah. I One... think it'd be funnier if we just go without thinking about it. Yeah, I completely agree. So we, do we want to just write them down, what? each of us write them down, and then reel them off? Okay, see, well, see how we see it? Five? Yeah, so it's, it's three baddie ones and two Loyalist ones. Holy oh, shit. Yes. Um, I have got mine. Chris, that's way too much thinking. Don't oh, think, I, just I do. know literally, I have barely played against these, or I've never used them. Well, that should tell you something. Okay, I've got mine. Cool. I've, so just each of us reel off our five and then we can discuss, right? Okay. How about how about we all say them worst to best, but we go round number five. Oh, great five. idea. Yeah, great idea. Okay, so number five. Chris, what is your number five? The lion. I also have the lion. I have Magnus, but I could... Oh, yeah. I think you could definitely make the case for Magnus. And yeah. the only reason I've put the lion is because all the Dark Angels players I know are writing lists with Gilliman in. <laughs> <laughs> which is a fucking desperate state of affairs. What a tragic indictment of the people that play this game he, that your beloved Primark returns and all it does is give you the horn for maybe trying a different Primark in his place. So Paul's not playing it, but he did practice a listed to me, which was beautiful and terrifying. Yeah. He took the, um, the faction trait that gives you plus one to charge. Yeah. And he then, you know, he did all the shenanigans and... 
basically he had like 40 Deathwing Terminators in reserves, and then he had Gilliman, and he was like, yeah, cool, yeah, so I'm going to be making six-inch charges at you at yeah, strike. Yeah. Like, because that's the thing and that's over we'll get to Gilliman as and when he pops up but yes yeah, so i think the thing with the lion at the moment as it stands is he's killy but he's not infantry so he struggles to get around he is he can be killed relatively straightforwardly as far as i can see he's not got he's not got the sort of ludicrous durability of some of the others so those things all mean he's a bit unwieldy to use I'm sure there's some fun stuff that could be done with the sort of heroic intervention stuff that he gives because that is a really awesome mechanic. But I think one of the sad ironies for Dark Angels is that they lack mobile melee infantry, which I think are the thing that would be best on. Imagine if you had Van Vets hidden around with six-inch heroic intervention. You could pull all sorts of nonsense with that. Imagine if you had Van Vets and you couldn't get the line to them because he's slow. Yeah, <laughs> there is also that. Um, so yeah, the lion at the bottom, that's a real shame, but I guess it's on the community to show us that he could be so much more. So, number four. Ed, what have you got for number four? I've got the lion here. I think so, this is, where I this is where I have Magnus. Yeah, yeah I have Magnus here. <laughs> cool. cool. So, it's just a wash there. So, Magnus is really quite cool, to be honest. Like, I like Magnus. His powers are great. If you actually have him in a psychic matchup where the opponent can't just shoot him off the board, it's phenomenal because he just shuts everything down. You get off all your powers. He's actually really good in the Thousand Suns mirror, which is hilarious because they just don't get to do anything um, with their powers because he's just out denying them the whole time. But the, he, pro the problem is he dies, right? He just dies. He's he so did nothing wrong apart from not having a... A stat line that that's exactly it he doesn't have he's not durable enough he if he doesn't go first and get a bunch of defensive powers on himself and again the fact that he needs to cast all the defensive powers on himself that's slightly annoying because i guess you'd like those on you know other stuff um then he's yeah he's very vulnerable and with the wings he's quite visible unless you have a custom magnus model where the wings have been wound in to make him easier to mm -hmm. hide which uh, which has not been unheard of in these parts. I do know someone who has done something similar on a large model. I won't name yeah. any names, but nobody's ever called him on it because he's a fantastic painting painter and modeler, and he has <laughs> to me he did it for competitive reasons. <laughs> goes, that looks so cool. And he's like, yeah, it does. Yeah, it look, look, looks so cool, fitted perfectly behind this building. I I wagged my finger at him disapprovingly. Nice. So. <laughs> okay, number three. Chris, who's your number three? Oh, this is horrible. Um, Angron. Oh, interesting. Woo! Interesting. Ed? Mortarian. Interesting. I've got Gilliman. So here we are. We've we've diverged quite considerably. So do you want to make the case for Angron being third, Chris? He's... I just Every time I've heard... I've never played into him, but every time I've heard people who have played into him, they're just like... Yeah, you can just play around him. And, he, you know, he, obviously he's very funny and he can come back, but he can be played around. Mm. Um, I would say that I had basically was a toss-up between him and Morty. I really couldn't mm. decide. Um, but I guess they both share that weakness of it's a lot, a lot of points invested in one place that ultimately you can play around if you have the right tools, for sure. Um, I rate Angron more highly purely because of the trapping. No full-backing can be just nuts. That's a, that's a trick I think any of the others would kill to have. 
Um, and but I don't think it's easy to use it right. A bit like Scarbrand, I think a lot of people are told that they're good and shove them in the list, but don't actually haven't seen what the sort of swinging around into stuff that you need to are do. Are you trying to imply that 40k outside of the top like percent is just people who copy other people's lists without understanding? I I, I would I would never suggest that oh. for a, for a second. That's Ed. wild. And I, you know what? I'm looking forward that's, to people fielding lists with all five of these Primarchs in because they listen to this show. I'm like, that, that sounds actually, amazing. That rings true. I've, I've had people play my lists and tell me that I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, yeah. <laughs> still not salty about that. Yeah, nice. Nice. Um, so, oh, for me, Gilliman. Gilliman's like well, dur durable and fighty. Um, and the plus one charge thing, the boosting to charge stuff, that actually genuinely is cool and useful. And I've seen White Scars lists using Gilliman to to do that that, is, that are very funny and, and very interesting um but he yeah i mean he never he never rolls his dice to get back up does he that's the main issue i have with Gilliman. he just always stays dead when you kill him so it's now my turn yeah here it is here's why you're wrong this is my speciality go so on the reason that morty is not worse than magnus of the lion because he does stuff mm -hmm. but he just dies mm. i know you can give him a five up feel no pain he's t8 he's got you know a four up in one woo um, this is the end of ninth edition, motherfucker, and that dies. If you can't put something to kill that in your list, then you've written a bad list, mm. or you're playing Eldar Jank and you don't expect to kill things to win the game. Those are two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're allowed. I, to feel, I, I feel personally attacked, but that was absolutely no, no, fine. no. That was the that was the exception. Like you, no, you, yeah, if for you're sure. playing like a list that's you know got guns in, you kill him and he, mm. he dies. Like maybe. You have to commit a bit more than you want to, but then, oh no, what's the rest of the opponent's army doing? Trudging yeah, towards sure. you five inches. He's, he's dog shit. The other it, two actually have like a niche that they carve out, and yeah, they enable sure. armies. That's true, and totally fair. In my head, I was sort of factoring in how I feel like they go into each other into this as well, and I, I do feel like Morty wins a slap up into most of these others, maybe not Angron. Well, it's a good job that we play competitive 40k and we're not all specs tactics. They did they you know they do their articles and I'm pretty mm. sure Morty did beat Angron. Yeah, I think you know I think he's that definitely have, good value for that. That might have more competitive viability than their meta watch lists, you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> maybe, nice. Maybe more worth there. <laughs> right, number 2. This is where I've got Mortari and I put Mortari in number 2. I've got Gilliman here. Uh, more cool. Team. Sweet. Yeah. I, th I think you can definitely make the case for Gilliman. I mean, Gilliman has actually been popping up in stuff, whereas we haven't really seen Mortarian. Gilliman gives just so much stuff. Mm. He gives flat rerolls to everything in an edition where you can't get rerolls on everything. Mm. You can, you know, we've seen him throughout the edition fueling the Vulcan lists. He's, you know, the Ultramarine shooting castle. Now you're seeing people put him in other factions, as you said, White Scars. He is popping up all over the shop. He's not a mainstay, but mm. he's absolutely something that you can put in a list and feel okay about. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he, he is going to get back up as long as... Because, look, none of us are ever going to play Gilliman, which means it's your... No, I am not. Which means he's always going to get back up, because that's how that rule works. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's For you, roll a dice. For your opponent, they just flip it to a six. It is, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, completely. And then number one. Gilliman. Angron. Angron, yeah. Yeah, so Ed and I converged at the end. There you go. It's interesting. And yeah, I put, Angron's I... a weird one, isn't it? Because mm. I looked at him and I went, there's no way anyone's going to play him. Like, he's too gimmicky. And then you just keep hearing from people whose opinions you respect. 
who are like, yeah, no, Angron's great. Like, mm. um, I haven't spoken to him myself, but talking to somebody who talked to Robbo about it, they're like, yeah, no, really hot on Angron. He does a lot. And he's, he's, he makes some of the matchups just win more or like unwinnable yeah. for the opponent. How does a melee army deal with Angron? Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, that. no, you killed him. Cool. I'm going to bring him in a little bit back. Yeah. And next time I'm going to fly and charge forwards. He's, uh, He's a beast, man. Yeah, no, I, I think that's it. So would Tra you say he's in the best World Eaters list? I don't know. I don't know enough. No, I, no I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't think that he is. Because well, would you say Gilliman is in the best Ultramarine list? And where do, those, where do those yeah. lists rank if relative to one another? They're all competitive for their army. This is, this is a reasonable way of looking at it. I don't, I don't dispute that. I would still back I a do. World Eaters Angron's list into an Ultramarine's Gilliman list. You're wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, no I, I think Angron, you should see on the table. Uh, mm. If you see Gilliman across the table, you're like, oh, sweet, a free game. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. slightly less now that Marines have had a little bit of a. a I really hope we can pair you into Ultramarine so you can. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, mean, I would be okay with that. That, that oh, Gilliman, no! Gilliman castle with all its rerolls, yeah. <laughs> Turn them off. Okay, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's interesting. I'll just not let them. Like, what are they going to do? Walk forward six or eight inches and then shoot me. Oh, if only there was terrain. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the 28 then, Ed. Yeah. So well, I think that's a list I probably could. We're going to have to keep an eye out for Angron lists and send them Chris's way whenever they do well now, Ed, just to just to keep the pressure up. For, for all, uh, hold on, how many weeks we got? For all one month and a day of the yeah. edition remaining. God, I'm so invested in it. I'm really... Oh, yeah, it is. I'm so it? deeply invested uh, oh, in the not, rest Not of officially, list. though, guys. Not officially, so. no. We've, we've heard. No, no, we couldn't possibly say so gonna take one question out of the chat here what are your concerns about 10th edition plant 17 says mine is playing the same faction with no codex for a year one detachment could get stale True. that's that's totally valid although i think the level of flavor i've seen from the indexes doesn't worry me as much as I thought it could be, because these in some ways still look more interesting than 8th edition codexes ever were, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's the problem, isn't it, when things just get solved? What will... I, what, oh, sorry, after you, Ed. No, I just... I hate Index Hammer. Like, I hate that we're going back to it. I know it was needed. They needed to do a hard reset. But I just... I don't like the fact that some armies are going to be getting their, their power out. And worse than getting your army a year in is getting your army immediately. Because... Mm you get to play at like a comparable level but with a little bit more fun and then you just go eh, and i've yeah. got a dog shit, dog shit book for two and a half years yeah it's... this is why i'm quite chuffed that literally nothing i play has been announced yet for the release cycle. i'm like that's fine i will absolutely have it when they've lost the plot and started jamming them full of ridiculous stuff a bit further down the line um but yeah and the, the two things that could go wrong here are the, the indexes can't hack it at all with the books as soon as they arrive because then what that means is because of the slow release cycle you're going to have like literally one or two armies at the top which is always very dull so the indices need to be able to hang with the new books that come out otherwise it's going to be rubbish right? i'm a little less concerned about that because they've mm. shown that they're really willing to do balancing um yeah so that's true that that's i'm not too worried about it's the, it i think the it being boring not playing an army that with many rules for like two years i think that's a, a fair mm. point yeah for sure my um, my main, and I, 
Battleshock. There's so many mentions of Battleshock at the moment. Um, and I'm very curious to Battle see Shock. if it turns out to be something that is over the top and just really infuriating. Or actually it doesn't turn out to be an issue at all. Or is it actually well poised? Mm. Um, I'm not sure at the moment. It's a, it's a big dimension that they're trying to add with it. And it, it'll either be addition defining or it'll be a big damp squib. It looks pretty significant. That's probably the bit we're going to have to get used to the most, isn't it, out of all this stuff that we've seen, because it, it will be massive in theory. Um, Just on to uh, paint Celestine's point there, the example is the Tau's carry-on detachment will play, you all, You always play passively till turn three and then go. That I wouldn't say that's true, having played quite a lot of Tau, at the moment carry-on is always the right choice. Um, some people tell you that Monkar has place in games, I don't mm. believe them, I've tried. I, sometimes I'm going, this is a perfect Monkar game. You know, I can play really aggressively, and I do it, and I win by less or I lose, and then I go, if I played that carry on, even if I did exactly the same thing, I would have, you know, scored better. Mm. So I, I think you can still play aggressive with it. It's just, I don't love that they've limited the, uh, the detachment rule until the back end of the game, I will say that. No, for sure, for sure. Jack says, I don't really understand how the moment will be balanced. Jack, it will be balanced by Eldar re-rolling a hit and wound on every single unit that they have. That is how you balance Marines. And Imperial Knights re-rolling all their ones oh, the wound. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Okie dokie. So, then we'll go back to the Discord. So, Bloodrender asks, what do you all think is the best way to approach models such as flyers and super heavies in 40k which feel out of scale and are often either extremely powerful or useless. Six, six flies back. Chris Let's says allow all of them. I have some specific thoughts on flyers, but I'll let you guys field anything on this you want to do first. Ed, you got any thoughts on this? Just point them into obsolescence. Like, yeah, they, completely. I don't think there's any way you can play them um, yeah, yeah. and balance them with the way that the game is. You'd have to have a yeah. complete overhaul of the system, which maybe yeah. they've done, which um, I don't think they have. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen the base rules. We haven't seen the rules for any flyers yet. But I think you've just got to point them to a point where they're not worth taking. But mm. your, your mates can run them in your silly pickup games, your beer hammer, and who cares if it's a bit underpowered, as long as it's not, like, dog shit. Mm. So big, stupid tanks and vehicles should always be slightly too expensive, I think. That is my opinion, because I think you don't want a meta where you have to take a big, stupid tank. Because the, the Castellan was a meta-defining unit and everyone had the same list with the big knight in and the little utility around it. That isn't particularly fun. I know Lewis wants to live in a world where we all have a big, stupid tank. Um, you can you can definitely get it close, right? Like, the Baneblade is sort of... It's it's a thing that you can run and it, it's not going to lose all your games for you. And I think they, they showed they could get it close to right with that. But you don't want them to be must-takes, I don't think. Probably in the same way you kind of don't want Primarchs to be must-takes. Um, because they lose a little bit of what makes them fun and special if they're in every every list all of the time. For flyers, the specific thing I think is what I would have flyers do now is A, be a bit cheaper to pay for their sins, but B, they can come in turn two as we currently have, but strafing type ones can make their move. So if they have a bombing run type yeah. function, they can do that on their arrival turn. So suddenly bombers are actually back to doing the thing they're supposed to do. Chances are they're then a one and done and they die anyway, right? Um, and I'd pr I would be sorely tempted to limit it to rule of two, but I think probably rule of three is fine. Um, 
Or is it? No, it is rule of two for them, isn't it? For it flyers is, yeah. now. I think that I think that works fine. You're not going to overinvest in something that's not coming on the board turn one anyway, and. I think that then reconciles the thing that they've lost, which is the ability to do their movement-based stuff at all, because they they will just die before they do it. Um, but it keeps them. It means you can't alpha with them, which means that you don't want to overinvest in doing it. Um, but does gives it this very cinematic. Here come the planes. They're dropping some bombs in. They're coming to help out. So that's what I would do. And I I think that I think that genuinely think that would work. So yeah, hit me up, GW. I'll I'll write your rules. Um, Ed. I was just going to say um, two things. Sean saying I don't want flyers cock blocking movement. Great point. Yes. Fantastic tool. One of my favorite things to do with flyers. Get them out of <laughs> the game. Just, just like I, I'm going to abuse the shit out of them if they're there yes. and playable. But like, get rid of them. Like, I'm, I'm doing it because it's good, not because it's fun. It's not yeah, fun yeah. for the other person. It's not something I'd like in the game. Yeah, Jack yeah. says, "What if flyers move 18 inches max?" Which is such a funny mental image. You've got the play <laughs> just like eight <laughs> inches long, <laughs> and then you go, mm. "Yeah, um. <laughs> ridiculous." Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I mean, it's the same with artillery, isn't it? I think we all know that too much artillery and too much flyerness isn't fun, and and each of them should be. I think a a, a, a gaming world where they are. A bit cheaper and a bit anemic is the way. Like they don't cost you tons, but they also just don't do much, and they're literally there for that little bit of functionality. And that's that's the thing. You don't want it so efficient and so effective that it can just clear tables for you. There is a flyer I want to see, the Valkyrie, which is troop <laughs> transport for yeah, guns. Yeah, that thing's awesome. It can now do what it's meant to do. They can disembark and shoot guns. Yeah, cool. That's that's great. sweet. That's yeah. the good stuff. Um, back to the chat for questions. What is the model unit that has the biggest disparity from law to rules? Mm. Any custodies model. Any custodies model. That's a very valid point. Harkin, Harkin World Claimer is <laughs> is not Harkin Shelf Shelf Claimer. More like doesn't do anything. Absolute trash. Lilith Hesperax, famed duelist of the arenas, can barely tickle a squad of fire warriors. Oh, is that not the name that you give to the succubus who kills everything on twos? Well, the, yeah, wounds. that's it. That's that's and what she, that's uh, what my model of Lilith Hesperax is doing. She's yeah, got a whip yeah. these days, and she's much happier for it. Um, but yeah, she's she should be so much better than she is. If if you do one thing for Jakari in this edition, give her a big glow up. That's all we want. Um, anything else, Chris? What do you think? Yeah, I agree with Ed about the custodies thing. Um, the Primarchs, to be fair, like, they don't necessarily, if you look at them in the law and how much they blend and how impossible they yeah. are. Yeah, Angron kills like whole legions, doesn't he, if he yeah. wants to. It's like, yeah. just when you read the books, you're like, there's no way anyone could face up to Angron. And yet, obviously, in the game, it's. For good, be... for good reason. For good well, reason. yeah, and that's good because they're such epic characters. They're really, really impossible to balance mm. in a who way would, that reflects the law. Who would win? One Angron or one Plainy Boy? <laughs> <laughs> Angron versus the old Admech Flyers. Pew, pew. Or the the Tau Flyers, which yeah, were, yeah. Both, well, the things that both of the Flyers did just combine into one package. Yeah. Or Harpy, same same. Yeah. <laughs> Okie dokie, and then back to the Discord. With armies such as Orcs and Drakari, 
which don't rely on but are fundamentally built around access to advance and charge. What kind of char changes do you think they would benefit from to make their playstyle less based around that mechanic? Transports? Yeah, so I replied to this at the time and I said when I say assault, you say ramps. <laughs> what, we, what we want is raiders that people can get out of after they've moved. Give me them sweet assault ramp raiders. That is not ridiculous, and I promise to be good with it. Um, I think that sounds entirely fair, because how far yeah. does a Drakari transport move? It's like 16 inches or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think how that... far does like uh, an Incubi move? It's like seven, seven. inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how far can any model move charge? <laughs> yeah. Right, so that, that, I think by that point, you've covered the entirety of the board. Inches? Yeah, that seems completely yeah. legit to me, and I'm happy with that. Um, on a more serious note, Drakari would need good guns um, to move away from being purely about speed and combat. Right? They need slightly better all-round shooting rather than just the high-quality, low-volume low stuff. For orcs, I th orcs can can build a range of ways, can't they? Yeah. And I kind of like both armies in the position that they're at with the sort of Russian dolls, speed, offense, but actually once on the ground that little bit more slow and vulnerable and, and easy to pick off. I, I think that's a nice... Those are probably the two main armies that do this, although it looks like they're trying to build a few other armies to have this kind of wizardry within their ranks um, in 10th. So yeah, no, I, quite, I quite like it. I quite like it as it is. I don't think I'd necessarily change it all that much, but if I was to take it away, I'd give them the old the old disembark after moving in at least a couple of places. Maybe a strat. Maybe Not see it's army-wide, but just so you did have the option to do it somewhere with something um, would, would, would be useful for that reach. And thank you to Connor Nichols who did indeed say ramps when I said assault in the chat earlier on because that's what that's what that's what I wanted. What did um, you say? I said when I say assault, you say ramps. Assault. Ramps. There you go, boys. Very good. Nailed it. Excellent. And then we've got uh, a message from an unknown called Davy Little. <laughs> sounds like someone. Sounds who, like a cool guy. Sounds like a traitor a who'd start a spin-off show with other people. <laughs> And he says, what should we be practicing in our games of ninth as we move into 10th? Are there any transferable skills? Winning games, Davey. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. My, oh my Christ, Ed, that's horrible. No, he's, he's, so what he's done is he's stuck with the drowning faction. And that is gone, exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it, I'm going to play something good. Yeah, um, he's so stayed behind. It's like, he, it's the, the last stand. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the guy who's got on the last lifeboat on the Titanic, pushed a baby and a mother <laughs> overboard, and gone, fuck y'all, I'm playing some Tau. Yeah, completely. Completely. Transferable skills. I, I think probably the most valid skills you can be practicing are win conditions, outs, and positives and, and negatives of matchups. Yeah, exactly. Working on understanding how and why an army's getting a winning score what you need to be doing to prevent it what your army what your army's ceiling is and why that is um these are things that will still inevitably be important in in 10th and and continuing i think and you know david you're in, you came in in this edition so this is something that i know will still be ongoing that sort of baseline knowledge of just what are all the units of all the armies across the board what what are the tool pieces and tool kits of all these different armies that's something that you can always be learning and building on and the more familiar every army is by the time you get to 10th um the quicker you'll absorb what changes are coming in for them and what what that's going to mean for you 
because you do reach a very a slightly actually depressing point where you're just like I've, i there are i've seen all of the units i have i've i've seen all of the things i know what all the things are supposed to do um and whilst the bit of the magic is gone you are then very well equipped to to win games sounds like you need to do uh, a cover version of i've been everywhere man <laughs> that'd be great yeah. well up for that one uh, um one thing i would add though is if like especially for me like once tournaments are done that from what i can tell in terms of the playing the hardest thing to get ahead around is going to be the new um fight phase um yeah. and there's going to be they've tried their best to remove the jank that you can currently do and all they've done is enabled more jank, but it made yeah. it a lot harder to do. So yeah. trying to get your head around the fact that, right, now I need to move bottles to base them so that now I can move other models in other directions because I'm allowed to do that. I mean, it just makes no sense to me how they manage to fuck this up every time. Mm, but essentially, we have had one or two, basically two editions of manipulating the fight phase and the charge phase for all this extra movement, it's still going to be possible to, not as big an extent, but it's still going to be possible to in some extent, but it's going to be complicated to do. Mm. And you're going to have to practice it. You're going to have to get the models out on the table. You're going to need to set up a scenario. You're going to need to get the rules out in front of you, follow what the instructions allow you to do, and really then just work out so that by the time you get to an event, in the same way that now we're like, right, I'm going to charge here, I'm going to be an inch array, right, I'm piling around three inches, but I'm getting slightly closer, right, I've killed you, great. Now I'm going to use this other unit, which has got six inches of movement, because it's got three inch piling and three inch consolidate to go in this direction. Yeah. Like, all those things which are second nature to us. Mm. Um, we They're not going to be there. We've done them so many times, but this mm. whole concept of, right, position yourself, right, I've got to base here, so where can these go? It, it just will take reps. And the sooner you start getting those, uh, it depends how sad you are, but if you do just get those models out, sit there with the rules and just practice moving them for half an hour, just yeah. just to get into the habit, then when you get to your practice games, try and apply that. Yeah. And that'll mean when you get to your tournaments, then you're able to get it. And I think early on, I think trying to get those things down will be a bit of an advantage. So the sooner mm. you start, the sooner you can... I think Absolutely. I think the fight phase is actually going to be more pivotal this edition. Um, something that I missed on the the stream that I did with Davey when we went through all the uh, the rules that definitely weren't leaked um, was that you don't have to charge a unit to fight it. Yeah, you yeah, can, yeah. You can charge something else, and if you get close enough, great. Yeah, and you don't have to move the closest model first. You can pick. Which it's all a bit of Sigma, isn't it? It's all a so bit of Sigma. What you can do is move a model that is like seven inches away and then use that for shenanigans. So you could pick like a model that's halfway back in the unit and then use that and from there do your pivoting. And I haven't fully worked it out yet. I'm gonna have to be, you oh, know, we read that Google Doc. Um, but it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that's gonna be coming and it's gonna happen to you and you're gonna feel real mad. Yeah. And then two events later, you're gonna be doing it. That's how it's gonna be. That's it's the way gonna, it works, baby. It's gonna feel like a gotcha and then you're gonna learn it and you're gonna use it and you're gonna like, oh, this is actually incredible. Why was I not doing this before? It's quite yeah. a good way of um, ignoring Overwatch. Just charge the things that have got the scary other, um, charge yeah, the other yeah. things and then um, which, which don't have scary Overwatch, but then just move towards the things that do yeah. have. Although the scary Overwatch things will have overwatched you in the movement in phase anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flames all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. you're close to me. Oh, you're now dead. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's one fun. It's not going to be very fun for the stuff you and I like. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that really, that really requires some play around. But that's that's yeah. all for the good. I want flamers to be relevant. So Overwatch doesn't require it to be the unit that charged was charged. Oh, does it so, not? Yeah. So Aww. it's and you can do it when a u enemy unit is set up or when they start or end a normal advance, fullback, or charge move. So when wow. they start the charge move, you just go cool. I'm going to overwatch you with a big tank. A, a flame is mental. Is that what this is? I think they might be. Yeah. I, my, my initial thoughts, no, I don't like the way that they're setting up tower. It looks like more of a static gun line than a go forwards and kill, which is how I prefer to play them. Mm. But it, I'm thinking two units of three suits with double flame reverse cannons. Yeah, man. Just soak you up know? that forward pressure. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Scrivo says, I'll miss my micro movement, so I'm going to give him a little shout out here because it is from Scrivo that I learned all of the intricacies of the fight phase because I had no idea. And he was a, it was, as, as you say, you get soundly moved around in all sorts of interesting ways and you feel a bit disgruntled about it and then the next time you're doing it yeah. so thank you scrivo for teaching me the the true art that is melee combat in in 40k i because i play shooting armies so much i've only just learned how to avoid heroic interventions <laughs> um, for, a quick tip for anyone who's playing an event in the next three or four weeks um charge the unit that you want to avoid the heroic intervention stay just you know within an inch away slightly closer to the model that you want to fight pile in away from the heroic intervention Oh look, they're not within an inch. They can't fight. Boom. Super easy. I did a video on this. Um, yeah, Chris so, has done a video uh, on this. Obviously, Ed has learned that from my video. Mm -hmm. So thanks for mm -hmm. sharing my video, Ed. Ed watches no like we all watch all of our content all of the time. I, I consume <laughs> no 40. No, 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 no. There's no um, time left after making it, man. Uh, no, I I just consume CS:GO and League of Legends content because oh, uh, sweet. I, I spend like 40 hours a week thinking about Warhammer anyway. I've got to have a, an off switch at some point. <laughs> Scrivo says, I learn all my stuff from Chris. Yeah. Nice. As you will know, Scrivo was my first ever competitive game. Yeah. Oh, and triangles. That's Ed's, Ed's influence. Triangles are a big deal. Wonderful. Okay. We've got one final question, uh, barring any late entrance from the chat. And this is currently revealed unit for 10th that you're most looking forward to using. I don't think I've seen anything yet that really gets my... Oh, um, Death Shroud look cool, or Blight Lord Terminators. Whichever the Death Guard Terminators they showed, they look fun. They have some cool rules. I like the look of them. Um, mostly, I like the idea of playing Death Guard where I'm allowed to deep strike in your turn. That really does change the nature of that game. Oh, who cares about the four-inch movement? Where, yeah, uh, exactly. Already, Got Death Shroud, Death Shroud dropping in every little pocket you give me and flaming you. The dream. It's not a model, but I, I think the strands of fate for the Aldari will be really interesting. Uh, oh yeah, that's pretty crazy. Kind of like you know, it's the fact that you're rolling your twelve dice and then you get to just use them advance ahead of the game. You know, you think, oh, I've got six, cool. I've got a big gun which does devastating wounds. So great. Um, I don't like to say D cannons, D six. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll use this six, and all of a sudden that's eight mortal wounds on you, sir. Yeah. Right, that's um, I know that'll be quite nice, but at the same time, you are going to roll some twos and threes, which are um, potentially not great. So, oh, there's uses though, right? Sometimes, you, sometimes you just know that's enough. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or but if you have a farseer and you could turn them into sixes, oh, that'd be quite nice. Um, nice but... for them to incentivize taking a farseer for once. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Why can't it be the Autarch? Yeah, poor Autarch. It's just like, I'm awesome. And they're like, but are you magic? Yeah. No. Then stay really at home. <laughs> this edition 
feels like he's more likely to see you. Yeah, I hope so. If he's a plug-in, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. You're going to put him in some Howling Banshees or something, and they're going to fucking slap. I kind of hope stuff like Assassinate just goes away, and you can just have a bunch of characters running around without any concern, because I think that's fun. I just think that's neat. Um, <laughs> I just think it's neat. I just think it's neat. I'm trying to think, was there anything else? The Oh, I played Dave, played Dave yesterday, and it's like if, if you imagine that you had Fate Dice, not just for your damage, but also for his saves, that was how it went. It was literally not a single in run made, and every single D6 plus something damage shot I made was just like, here is all of the damage. You can have all. <laughs> it was like the uh, the Fire Dragon Exarch's D6 plus 4 gun. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there is 10 damage. Have, you, have yourself 10 was sweet he, um, damage. Was he playing his Niddar list? Was that what he was playing? It was it was the Nid Drop Pod Gorgon thing. Oh, okay. I think we it's were... his because it's for the league. It was his uh, older. It's an older iteration. He said that he's been cooking one up with you. Yeah, we've been talking about um, a really interesting list. Niddar is so good. I love that concept already. I actually probably shouldn't say because I don't know if he wants to take it to an event and win it. So I'll I'll keep. It oh yeah, yeah. No, very wise. We'll, we'll very reveal wise. it when he he wins um, whatever event yeah. he takes it to. No, exactly that. That's very very sensible. Yeah, for sure. Great. Okay. I do have some units that I'm excited about. Please, sir, can I talk? Yes, sorry, I hadn't realised <laughs> no, 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 that we hadn't right. done it. I missed that I, in the excitement. It's because I talk all of the time incessantly. So. And so do I. And when it's, it's just difficult. Where do we go from here after you? Yeah, or Chris, <laughs> why, why, why do you bother turning up? <laughs> <laughs> so, quick honourable mention, Doomsday Cannon. I'm so, so jazzed that it is no longer the mildly inconvenient Tuesday Cannon. Um, it is actually going to slap. It's going to wound everything in the game on threes, at least. It's Two. got a decent number of shots. It's still got good damage. It's going to do mortal wounds. Pew, 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 pew. Run three of them. Going to be great. Um, the actual one, the Alaris Terminators that they revealed today, they look fucking awesome. Yeah. T7. I know vehicles are going up, but that's a Dreadnought. Yeah. That's a four-wound Dreadnought, like, straight up. And, but their uh, rules looked great, man. I was really oh, chuffed yeah. with the Custodies release. I'm not, they're not an army I like, but I just thought the rules all looked great. Really nice spot. I, um, I, I sent a long message to my Custodies buddy. And he sent me a long message back that I haven't had a chance to read. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to just talking more custodians because they're oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh, the yeah. that you can do. It, the fact that they're going to get some sort of cool rule on their data sheet. Well, they're going to get two. One, I think, is going to be like a stratagem. Because um, as we can see, the Alaris, they get the Slayers of Tyrants, which is like the... Um, whatever the strat's called. <laughs> might even be Slayers of Tyrants right now. Mm-hmm. Good for killing big, tough things, basically. Um, and then they've got the, from Golden Light, where they redeploy a unit, which is yeah, just... Yeah, that, that just honestly just looks so fun. It, so fun. The points, like, we've got to see the points, but my first mm. thought is, like, why am I not running three by three of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In every game. Like, it's, yeah. it looks incredible. It Yeah, it looks in- absolutely phenomenal. Really, really cool. Yeah, I really love that even though people are already going, well, the math says Guardian Spears are better into almost everything. Um, I love that they've they've really distinguished the two profiles on the melee weapons. Yeah. Like the axes, it's finally damage three, but mm. it's worse AP, and you get less attacks, and you hit on a worse. Maybe that's a little too weak. Maybe they needed something mm. additional on. But you know what? By the time they write the codex, maybe they'll balance that out. It's just nice yeah, to see yeah. more defined. We're seeing things have proper roles instead of everything just be like, what's the best? What's the highest yeah. volume of mid-strength, mid-18 yeah, 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 yeah. weaponry you can pump out? This is where taking the scale up really helps, doesn't it? Because you're not as painted into a corner with what what options you have. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's super cool. 
Auto cannon meta inbound. Here we go. Auto cannons everywhere. Let's do it. Why not? Um, cool. Any other thoughts, Chris? Did you have anything else? Or no, you've said your units already, haven't you? Excited yeah, I mean, you? obviously, I've been playing Custodes for the last four or five years now. Um, so it's always going to pay interesting, going to be interesting to see. All my stuff's modelled with axes. So I am slightly sad that the, the weapon skills got worse, the attacks have got worse, and the AP has got worse, all for that extra one damage. The attacks haven't gone worse. It's just the attacks have got better elsewhere. Oh right, yeah, so, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, but you've but... got you've got quite nice access to exploding sixes and stuff, don't you? Which is yeah. effect effectively a plus one to hit anyway. Yeah. So that's um, a plus one to hit on damage three weapons. I can see why maybe they didn't want that on twos as well, right? It's like a hundred percent efficiency on damage three. I think it'll be very interesting um, <laughs> to see how because custodians are also a hard army to balance. Yeah. Um, you know they've got those smaller elite armies. Um, so, you know, we saw them when they first came out, they were just so strong. So it'll be interesting to see, because we, you know, if they don't have the ability to hack all these vehicles or take down these vehicles that we're expecting to see um, early doors, then maybe they won't have a place. You know? Yeah, for sure. Because um, a big thing for them is obviously being the OPSEC infantry. Well, what, the Terminator was OPSEC 2, right? Mm -hmm. so, it goes up to 3 if you have a banner. So up to 3 with a banner. So you get 3 of them on objective, that's OPSEC 9. Well, that's still not... I mean, I, guess, I don't know. It's not bad. It's, it's not bad. Um, yeah. Maybe we're going to move away from three-man units. Maybe we're going to see actual... Uh, one of the things that... Because people... One of the complaints I've seen about it on the early doors is that because Trajan no longer re-rolls, their damage output is going to go down and losing the yeah. re-roll from Emperor's Chosen as well. Which is true, kind of. The exploding sixes that you can put on kind of balances that out. You lose a bit of the jank from the Katars, but that's fine, because they're like, useless, useless. The best thing in the game, useless, mm. useless. Um, These look much more flexible and interesting. They look flexible. Yeah. You pick them, you know, reactively, which yeah, is just great. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. But something I think people might not be thinking about is, we haven't even seen the buffs that the, the leaders bring yet, but you might not take many of them, because custodies are pretty self-reliant. They're yeah. good profiles. So if you're going from spending 500 points on HQ, which is I'm spending 200 points on Trajan, 180 on the uh, bike captain, then 100 on the yeah. Uh, yeah. 100 and something on the, the banner boy, if that goes down to just 185 for a bike captain, I've got 300 plus points, more models. So yeah, the individual model might have slightly less output, but I've got another model in every squad. Mm. And then they're really tough to shift as well. So Yeah, absolutely. I'm keen. Yeah, I, I thought it looked fun. I just think armies like it's the, it's the same reason I can think about Death Guard and be a little bit more excited. Is if there are just a few more ways to play around the, the slow movement of those kinds of armies, they they become way more interesting in my mm. eyes. And they've just given Custodes a couple of tools today that look really cool in that, whilst continuing to make them just a world-ending force in the fight phase, which is what they should be. Right, stuff goes in and does not get what it wants uh, out of them, which is the way they're supposed to be. Awesome. Units charge me, then they lose. You then they die. That. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gold. You're not. You're dead. Very straightforward um, order of operations there. Um, cool. We're going to sign off on that. Scrivo says tomorrow, lads, be wying, and that's absolutely right. Orc reveals tomorrow. Super exciting. Um, I'm sure we can bother Aaron for his thoughts on that, and John for his thoughts on that soon, as well as Ed. So we've got a bunch of Orc players. Um, hopefully, they're, they're one of those flavorful armies, so you want to see something good for them. So, yeah, thank you very much to everyone for tuning in. Really awesome to see you all. Thanks for chipping in in the chat. Um, and enjoy the rest of your week. And I'm sure we'll be back to let you know how our two brave teams got on 
as they both both finished first simultaneously at the Birmingham Teams event. 